0: So where's your podcast?
1: Uh I couldn't bring it. It got deleted.
0: So what's that? Ah, that would be my podcast.
1: <laughs> Ever it it never Good gets one. better.
0: Yeah. It never gets better,
1: Sydney. It really is like I mean, if that you can't be okay. the best, just embrace being the worst.
0: Yeah. Like yeah, you're probably right. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Disney Desk, everyone. I'm Carter.
0: And I'm Sydney.
1: And welcome back to another Patreon's Choice episode.
0: Woo! Yes, today's episode of our Summer of Sponge is brought to you by our lovely patrons over on patreon.com slash Disney Desk. By the way, if you haven't heard me say this a million times, um, subscribers to our Disney Desk friends, our lowest tier get to vote every month on an episode that we cover, and it's always the last episode of the month, is chosen by our patrons. So check that out if you want to vote on future episodes that we cover.
1: Yeah. Um, so we were trying to decide what to do, because like, with the Summer of Sponge premise, there's just so many different avenues you could take, so many different, um, so many nooks and crannies we could have went. Yeah. yeah. We, defi- we decided we definitely wanted one of our options to be to focus in on a specific episode. Because while we're talking Spongebob, we talk in a lot of, like, big, broad concepts. Yeah, we're talking a lot of like Spongebob theory. Yeah. You know, forget, throw out your game theory. Throw out your movie right. theory. This is, this is sponge theory.
0: Sponge theory, Title yeah.
1: theory, if you want to get the alliteration. Wow. In. And when it came down to picking a specific episode to present to the patrons of, like, hey, would you want us to just cover an episode? I feel like we pretty much locked in on what it needed to be right away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we were kind of talking about how um, even when we, we chose this as an option, um, and I posted this to our Instagram if you're following us on on Instagram. I, I shared what all of the poll choices were. We, we thought about maybe covering the, the Camp Coral series that's on right now. Um, or like some of the, the, the other Spongebob movie and the other option that we kind of knew within ourselves, like that people would probably gravitate not, to this look, one, but I, don't, have a low I have enough no shame of, in that. Like I oh, wanted yeah, to do you know this. What?
1: <laughs> yes. We have a low enough amount of patrons right now, that I feel like we can get away with obviously goosing the results. Like, yeah. I don't feel bad about that.
0: No, not at all. Um, So anyway, they they chose a deep dive of the episode Band Geeks, which I can, like, pretty confidently Mm -hmm. say this is probably one of the most iconic episodes of Spongebob ever.
1: Yes. Um, I, like, yeah, honestly, as I was watching it, I'm like, why would we ever consider doing a different episode? Yeah. Why? Would we not like? Right. Why would we even think about doing something else? This is everything um, we need
0: to understand about SpongeBob. <laughs>
1: um. Honestly, the one thing, like, as I was researching this episode, it turns out even Nickelodeon agrees with me. Um. There was a list that Nickelodeon did of top Nicktoon moments, and you want to know what number one was?
0: What. The Bubble Bowl? Band
1: Geeks, of course. (laughs) Yes, they did full episodes, and number one, of course, was Band Geeks. So it felt like we had to cover this episode. We had to take the time to kind of go headfirst into this episode, talk about why it's so funny, why it's so entertaining, and kind of break down. It's kind of a perfect way of breaking down, like, why SpongeBob works. Works
0: so well, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: But before we head into the Bubble Bowl and perform for all of you... It is time for another Internet Minute. Okay, Sydney, what is your Internet Minute?
0: Okay, my Internet Minute comes from Twitter. What else is new? Um, yes. I spend too much time there. What can I say? I wish I could quit yeah, it. We all do. But I can't. Um, so, again, this is... Um, a quote tweet. The The initial tweet is from the at Discussing Film Twitter. Um, mm. And there, um, it's a picture of some Disney characters like, um, like a Minnie and Mickey Mouse, a Maleficent, on the red carpet. Oh,
1: dear God. For the God. premiere
0: of Haunted Mansion. It says Disney is having... I was having, worried one of us
1: was going to do this.
0: Disney is having fictional characters walk the red carpet of the world premiere for Haunted Mansion due to the studio's inability to give actors fair pay and working conditions. And so my internet minute is a quote tweet of this tweet from a user called benjamincrew one who says, interviewer, obviously the cast is not here to promote the film due to the strike. Do you consider your presence on the red carpet a scab activity? And do you yourself support unions? And then it says, "College student getting paid minimum wage to dress as Corilla Deville." Where are my puppies? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we need to like talk about this. Um, first of all, <sighs> like, we 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 touched on the writer's strike, you know, and and I feel like y- you had more to say about the writer's strike. I definitely i I have more to say about about the actors' strike as an actor myself, right? Because of even course. though I am not in SAG-AFTRA, this strike does affect us non-union actors as well, and and so I, I kind of want to acknowledge at least our solidarity with with everyone involved in. Um, in these unions as well, um, that are bringing to light through Twitter, you know, just how rough some of the working conditions are for, like, specifically, like, television actors, um, for, for, for all actors, but, like, you know, the, when you think about, like, the majority of the individuals that you are seeing on screen, not all of them are A-list like, A list celebrities. Like it's such a tiny percentage of all of the people that you see on on all of your screens, on every ad and every commercial, um, in every print like ad that you see, um, in trailer in the background of your films. All of those people um, are are doing that as as part of their living, and as well as their like creative careers, and so. This has like such a large effect on like such a huge ripple effect on everybody. Um, you know this this tweet mentions something uh, called scabbing or like a scab activity. Mm-hmm. Ba- basically, what that means is um, so for for instance, I am not in the union, um, but but those jobs still like exist, like jobs that are reserved or or, or are f- that are like. Within the union, still exist right mm-hmm. now, even though those actors are striking from them. If I were to go in and audition for one and like take a union job at right now during the strike, that is called scabbing, and it's uh, it's not illegal. It's just highly frowned upon. <laughs> it's just bad form. Um, it's just
1: being a class traitor.
0: Yes, exactly. That would so be if nice. you're willing to
1: sell your soul, you know. It's if fine. you're
0: willing to sell, you. yeah. So you know it's like it's it's kind of a tough predicament for those of us that are not in the unions yet like um as as well but like you know i think when i saw this with with uh these park characters i thought this was like this is so pathetic like
1: it, it i would really rather is. have
0: canceled the whole event like do you know what right. i mean like this is so pathetic like to have mickey and minnie mouse and Maleficent, like, walking the red carpet. For what? Like.
1: <laughs> it it really is a hell of a thing. Because, like, this is the first time I'm actually, like, Disney, you might be losing the plot a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Independent of Bob Iger's quotes. Like, we've talked about, if there's one thing Disney understood compared to Warner Brothers or the other studios is, like, pomp and circumstance, mm-hmm. you know. There is, like, a prestige to being one of the old guard Hollywood studios that you have to maintain. And this ain't it, chief. Right. This is <laughs> sad. This is, like, yeah. it's sweaty and desperate. You would have been better off, like, as a lot of people tweeted, why don't just have it be an empty carpet and say there's ghosts?
0: <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. And
1: and and real quick guys these these costume performers aren't scabbing they like they don't no. have a choice they have their own like laws and contracts yeah, like they, they have an obligation if they don't do this.
0: to 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 be doing this yeah absolutely as this tweet mentioned they need
1: it, to yeah they
0: are college students literally
1: <laughs> yeah they need to unionize as well and oh yeah like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and it is a hell of a thing as we reach this like growing hollywood strike where the teamsters are prepping you know, animation, like Cartoon Network's animation studio is moving to unionize so they can be ready to go when their contract is up. And even Mm -hmm. seeing UPS getting ready to strike, which will have huge ripple effects throughout the entire country. Mm -hmm. It is a hell of a thing to finally like sit down and explain to people like what we're asking for, realizing they want the same things. Mm -hmm. And finally, like this thing I've been screaming about, basically this entire goddamn show we've been doing, being like, yes, yes, it is literally everyone it is literally every single industry in this country mm-hmm. where that like post recession got turned into this like peasant gig economy by right. fucking money cools in silicon valley like i know i like i know we've been getting way, very very political here but, but why like not? <laughs> yeah yeah why not like you know if you're not going to stand for something just sit down right so yeah, yeah it's like <sighs> th- like this is the first time i look at disney's like behavior like, you know, Disney's done a lot of morally reprehensible stuff, and it inadvertently becomes kind of... I guess it's fitting that for their 100th anniversary, they're not standing with workers because, you know, famously, when animators tried to strike back in the day, Walt named names during the mm-hmm. communist rebel, uh you know, communist panic. Right. But, like, this is the first time I'm, like, just paying that. Like, at some point, Bob, you have to be like, well... I'm either getting fired because we're not making movies, or I'm getting fired because I caved and ended this, like, never-ending money stream for the board of executives. So, why not just go for the classier option that makes you look good?
0: Yeah, honestly. And, you know, as I'm thinking about this, like, is this the closest to, like, a real-life House of Mouse event?
1: (laughs) No, because House of Mouse is cool. Mickey Mouse isn't a scab.
0: No, yeah, you're right. But I was just like, I was like, what does this remind me of? Like, as I was looking at these pictures of them on the red carpet, I'm like, what does this look like to me? And I remembered like, oh, yeah, the Halloween episode of House of Mouse when the villains took over. (laughs)
1: Look, I mean, I've been hard on directors for caving on the WGA deal, but I don't know if the director for this film did that. So I do feel a little Mm -hmm. bad that he has to put on a brave face and like promote his film. And right. just be on that carpet by himself as everyone's screaming at him. A right. film that's if, apparently good, like apparently people liked it at I the premiere. See so, it.
0: yeah,
1: yeah, and like I don't know, I like I wanted to talk to you off mic, but I forgot about like how we're going to approach because you know SAG and WGA aren't calling for a consumer boycott yet, but they are asking like, hey, if you're in any position of influence, please like, yeah, you know, use discretion, obvious caution when per, you know talking about stuff that's in theaters right now.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like I've been I don't like you know again, yeah, I thought this would also be a private conversation that we had, but like I've been seriously yeah, considering about like what of my streaming services do I even want to keep at this point? Like
1: I mean, it, I'm yeah, I I as much as I didn't want to do it, I think I'm getting rid of Max because Max, for me, is the most egregious of the, like, this is how we got here. Vertical integration. Yeah. at t wanted a streaming service, so they bought one of the greatest studios in Hollywood history mm-hmm. and then turned it into a streaming service. That is literally, like, textbook 1920s trust-busting bullshit. Yeah. At least Disney can kind of get away with it because it's like, well, it's only our stuff. It's right. basically the Disney. I mean, honestly, I've been thinking about doing a piece of, like, how to turn this around Like, you know, Mm -hmm. how to fix things. And the biggest one for me is rebrand Disney Plus as the Disney Vault. Literally be like, hey, if you're not into having physical media, this is just a curated – literally, like, for the price of a library card, you just have access to all of these. Like, you can can sell me on that. But, like, for me, it's like whatever streaming service pivots away hardest from original content is the one that I keep. Because that's right. where all of these problems have been starting. The fact that they are literally putting Miss Marvel on fucking ABC to like fill airtime oh, wow. It's everything you need to know about. Like, yeah, we should that. have never, we should have never started making original content for streaming. That was always a terrible idea.
0: Yeah, I think like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I don't know how probable it is that any of these services will start to steer away from you know, making original content just exclusively for their streaming services. But, like, I definitely want to start making a concerted effort to, like, go see films in theaters. Like, I'm sort of, like, I've kind of made, even though that's something we already loved to do, I am now, like, okay, I'm gonna go, like, I'm actually gonna go out of my way and, like, see fucking Oppenheimer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I've just been trying to map out, like, when I have time and when yeah, there's, like, kind a of good a queer theater. To.
0: But, like, yeah, I've already sort of said that we, it's good to make that intention of, like, you know what, no, I I want to, like, you said something really poignant in the last episode of, like, you get the industry you deserve. And, like, yeah, yeah like, I want to start you get the doing world you something deserve. different with my dollars, you know, and putting them where yeah. I want them.
1: Yeah, because, like, so much of my, like, because I've really been thinking about your, like, talk about, like, original films and stuff. Mm -hmm. And as we're having this discourse about, like, Mm -hmm. oh, Barbie, it's in, you know, you're selling out, it's whatever. Like, it really made me appreciate, like, it's like, this is the world we're in. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, it kind of ties into my notes from the host a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, just to wrap up The Haunted Mansion... Uh, Iger, I know you're never going to listen to this, but again, it's Disney 100. This is the most important year in the company's history. Right. Just give the writers what they want and, like, start a new era for Disney.
0: Yeah. Give
1: the writers, give the actors, you have a chance to change things.
0: Right. If there's there's anyone
1: who has the clout to get away with it, it's it's, you.
0: uh, Yeah. Like, that's what I was just about to say. Like, if there's anyone who can change the tide, who has the power to, like, influence what all the other studios start doing.
1: Yeah. It's Disney. Because here's the thing. Zaslav ain't going to do it for Warner Brothers. He's made very clear what side of the fence he's on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Paramount, Universal, I can't imagine they, like, they don't, for me, they don't have the, like, clout of Mm -hmm. Iger to be like, yeah, I saved this company twice already. Fuck off. I'll do what I want. And Apple and Netflix are why we're in this fucking mess to begin with. Yeah. Um, But, yes, my internet minute is, I hate to do, it's time for some call out culture. Um, <laughs> I hate to do it to him, but uh, I got a beef with something Mark Ruffalo said recently. No, um, you know our pl- one of our one of our faves, one of our no, uh,
0: our unproblematic. I save have to do it to did something. Okay, well,
1: no, it's not problematic. It just specifically grubs my gears. Okay. Like, Okay, so recently, and I'll post... Um, IndieWire has a good summation article of it. So while talking about sort of the strike and the current climate of, um, cl- current climate of filmmaking, he said, how about we all jump to indies now? Ruffalo wrote, content creators create a, a film and TV making system alongside studio and streaming networks. So there's actual competition. Then we just do what we always do, create great content, then they can buy it. And then we take it out ourselves and we share in those sales. And like... It's kind of, so basically he's like, you know, let's, let's get out of the studio system. He describes it as a billionaire boys' summer camps.
0: Mm. And
1: see, I simultaneously agree with him, but the comments also annoy me in a certain way. Cause he's like, right. We need a broader, like we need to break, the monopolies need to get broken up. We need more space Mm -hmm. where, you know, studios like Warner Brothers, Universal, Disney work more as distributors where they're buying other people's films and then like putting them in theaters. Like, create Mm -hmm. a healthier ecosystem for that. But at the same time, this, like, whole discussion of, like, oh, we got to do the indies, more indie films, more indie films. Um, Especially as we're talking about, like, there's this whole discourse about, like, is indie filmmaking dead now because Greta Gerwig made Barbie? Like, this this whole discourse of indies versus blockbusters just pisses me the fuck off. Like, it just very much is one specific thing that really grinds my gears.
0: Yeah, like not to interrupt you, but like I've been seeing a lot of like conversations about A twenty four lately, and it's like Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I hardly consider A twenty four to be indie. But yeah, I'm sorry. Are technically, I guess I kind of disagree yeah. with that. Right, but okay.
1: Your movies have way too much marketing and they waste yeah. way too much money. Like one, what does indie even mean now? It's like a nebulous term in this day right. and age. Yeah. And also it's so pointedly clear that it just means I don't like IP and mm-hmm. more specifically like it's always pointed who gets called a sellout um depending mm. on what they look like. Mm. Um and it's just like I don't know. I just think it's very reductionist to frame the entire industry as indie or like, right. blockbuster. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, at the end of the day, one of the most creatively exciting, most creatively interesting movies of this year is a fucking Barbie movie. Yeah. Like, like possibly the best animated film, what's looking to be the best animated film of the year is a fucking Spider-Man movie. Sorry I'm swearing right. so much on this episode, guys. I hate to end Sponge <laughs> Month with me not doing the dolphin doing the, noise. If I find a dolphin, dolphin noise, noise <laughs> I'll... Okay. I if I have the time. <laughs> okay. Um But... Yeah, it's like, you know, as unless we see, I see Miyazaki's film, and I think that's better. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the best animated movie of the year is going to be a Spider Man movie. It's like, it's not about IP versus indie. It's never been right. that. It's about like artists getting to play in cool spaces and using their artistic vision to make cool stuff. And like, I hate how like we've become so. And it ties in with your discussion last week about like, oh, everyone says they want original content until it shows up, mm-hmm. like. You know, like, it, that's not... It's right. never been about that. It's right. been, like, who tells interesting stories with what they've been given? Right. And right now, so many of our most interesting stories are based on non-original source material. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to get technical, Oppenheimer isn't even original. It's based no, on real events.
0: Adapt- yeah, right.
1: You know, I, obviously, there's a little wiggle room on that one. Sure, but like, but... And also, just, like... I do – especially because it's also tying in with the discourse of Robert Downey Jr. being an Oppenheimer and, like, be- people being like, he can finally act again. Why has he been doing this the whole time? And it's like, okay. Y- you can tell who's never actually been on an indie set. No. Like – Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been on some small-scale sets. I've been on student films. And, like, it is agonizingly stressful. Yeah. You'll get stomach ulcers. Like, right. when you don't have the money and you don't have the time and, like – Four people are doing 12 jobs. It's like, yeah. you can, and then, you know, especially for Robert Downey Jr., someone who struggled with like substance immunity yeah. in his time. It's like, can you imagine how nice it is for him to just show up and be like, all right, this is what come we're here. doing today. Yeah, No variants, no changes. All the jobs are filled. Here's what right. it looks like pre We're doing X amount of takes. Let's go.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: come in, do a job and go home.
0: And go home. Yeah.
1: Right. I just, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, guys, we can be mad at the system without being snobs, is what I'm basically saying. Like, I don't want us, like, I don't want us to constantly be putting artists who do IP down for the sake of some mythologized Garden of Eden-esque version of filmmaking that never existed. Right, exactly. And especially coming, like, I don't know, especially because, like, you know, people are like, oh, are so mad that Spielberg and Marty don't get to make, you know, are struggling at the box office or have to go to, like, streaming. And it's like, those motherfuckers got to make every film they wanted right. for decades in the studio system, got blank checks to do whatever they wanted. It's mm-hmm. fine. Everything's fine. Well, not everything's fine. But on this specific discourse, like, everyone calm down a They're little bit okay. and stop being so snooty. Right. Um, also, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that while we were talking about, like, original films, poor Ruby Gilman is already on digital. Um
0: yeah, and it's, like, I don't know why that's, like, especially disappointing. Even though we've done nothing but, like, bag on that film.
1: Yeah.
0: I've tried to be nicer. <laughs> well, I've fr- I we, want it on record. I've tried to cut out We started to that. turn around, right? Like, we recently had a conversation right. where, like, do we need to see it?
1: Yeah, I was, like, you want to go see it? Let's, and like, bag on this.
0: I kind of did. Like, I was actually like, willing, and then, and then it got snatched. I
1: checked the theater, and I'm, like, oh, there's only one screening a day. And it's, like, oh, I can't make that. <laughs> Well, yeah. and now it's out because Barbenheimer. Oh God! No, we can't. We we've already talked about. We need to cut these. Like we talk way too much in our internet minutes. I can't get into Barbenheimer right now. Yeah, this we'll is save that for whole next discussion. Cast episode,
0: yeah.
1: <sighs> Shall we drum up the band, Sydney?
0: Let's do it. A one, a two, a skididdiddly do. Sorry, I had to.
1: Band Geeks, released September 7th, 2001. Oh, my God.
0: What? September 7th,
1: 2001? 2001. I okay. had an old intro, but I have to fr- freeze for a second there. Oh, dear God in heaven. That's... It's kind of amazing yeah. that we remember it that well, because, like, normally everything around horrific disasters is, like, memory hold.
0: It's so, like, there's nothing eerie... Like, more eerie to me than the sort of lost footage from things that were, like, in the days leading up to 9-11. Like, there's this this compilation on YouTube of, like, the newscasters on the morning of just, like, saying the date. And it was, like, truly Mm. the last time in history that that date was just a date and not synonymous with anything. Like...
1: So, I really yeah, wish i double-checked the original air date before I just said that out loud. Just
0: being like, well, yeah. So anyway, this, this was our, our last moments of joy before,
1: uh, before our, everything our childhoods became terrible. were clouded
0: with, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And we all just got black-pilled with nihilism. But anyway, um, yeah. season two, episode 15B, it's the B-side to Secret Box. So on right. top of, like, we were talking about how you kind of have to pair these things together kind of a banger Mm -hmm. collection um in terms of secret box being one of the great original sort of like spongebob running like jokes
0: yes yeah there are both both of these episodes have some of the most but it's like when i'm in there's one thing i've learned in in our research for this whole month is that i almost every episode has something extremely quotable in it
1: Yes, that's the thing. I refer to Secret Box as one of the great, like, sort of, like, existing gags, the embarrassing snapshot of Spongebob from the Christmas party. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, but you'd say that about a hundred episodes.
0: Right. But this has the line, this has the famous, like, the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma and, like, the milk tipping over. It's just, it's such a funny joke. Like,
1: it's just a live action, weird, generic (laughs) carton of milk. And I, (laughs) and talk about Mandela effect. I always thought there was a human hand knocking it over. No, it just tips over on its own.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And yeah, it's like, it's kind of insane that while doing the homework for the Band Geeks episode, we're also like, oh, wait a minute. This episode's also great. This
0: is a great episode. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Which underlines like, man, those first two seasons really were in the pocket where it's like any episode you could pull to is just, you know, an absolute gem. Right. Um, To talk a little bit about the history, would you like a plot synopsis or the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff
0: Well, I figure we're going to, like, go beat by beat anyway, so... Oh, yeah,
1: that's true. Um, Yeah, so to give you an example of, like, the creative process for the show, and I think that's why Band Geeks is so successful, apparently, like, one of the sticky notes they had on, like, The Wall Forever was the idea of, like, a rival episode. They were like, we really want to do an episode that's, like, a rival showdown. Like, two got, Mm. two, like, parallel characters going against each other. And, like, they really were struggling because it's like, well, it's hard to think of, like, an actual rival for SpongeBob because he never really gets bothered by anything.
0: Anything, yeah.
1: So somehow they, like, worked roundabout and figured out, like, oh, what if we did one for Squidward? And basically mm-hmm. everything worked from there. They were like, okay, well, all right, what if there's like a snooty version of Squidward who like is the actual good version of him, like the talented the, version. The
0: successful version of what he, yeah.
1: And then they're just like, well, wait a minute, then how do Patrick and SpongeBob work in at all? And they were like, well, what if it's a band thing because he plays instruments? It is kind of like, again, it, it's a testament to like how they approached like the storyboard approach of like this very organic, like, mm-hmm. all right, think of one concept. One silly idea for an episode where we can do jokes from. Literally, a sentence on a sticky note, put it on the wall, mm-hmm. and then you all just sit there being like, okay, well, how does that happen? Yeah. Okay, but then what happens? Well, what about? Right. Okay.
0: Right. You know, and it's so, it's so interesting, like, re- revisiting this episode, it, it really is the, the quintessential SpongeBob episode because so much of it gets kind of copy and pasted into the musical. And mm-hmm. I totally didn't connect the dots until having to come back and like rewatch this episode more finally that I'm seeing so many parallels or, or where like this story, not just encapsulates like that, that idea of like this character and their exact opposite or like a rivalry. Um, but the nature of like the citizens of Bikini Bottom <laughs> and how right. like that whole ecosystem works.
1: Yeah. Again, like, as we were discussing, as we have discussed a lot of times, it really is scary how, like, immediate they figured everything out and figured out the perfect tone and, like, tempo for every character. Mm-hmm. And just the idea, like, it's funny because it's, like, a school of fish and we think of schools of fish as, like, one brain in yeah. action. It's so funny seeing all of the citizens of Bikini Bottom together because you just realize they're just kind of a big bunch of idiots,
0: yes like
1: when they enter the mob mentality they just like have no introspection no like exactly. nuance no. they're just they just act and react
0: and like it's it's not the first or the last time that we see like the citizens of bikini bottom all in one place and like the dynamic is extremely dysfunctional like
1: right. they don't. it's amazing get this along. town hasn't collapsed right
0: yeah like these are people that don't agree with each other they don't get along Right. Uh, they will fight at the drop of a hat. <laughs> like- yes,
1: they. Yeah, it is. It is classic cartoon energy of just like. All it takes is one guy to say something, and then yeah. the entire group turns into a cloud of dust. Maybe my favorite joke from the entire episode is Squidward has two seconds to say, all right, everyone, let's not overreact, and then the immediately everyone in front of him just instantly turns into a cartoon a ball cloud. of dust. <laughs> like, he doesn't even get two sentences out before it just explodes. <laughs> um, I, think, I think I texted you two different times when I was sitting down to watch the episode, and I wish I had my exact poll quote, but I believe it was just something along the lines of, hey, watching band geeks, um, is this the greatest piece of comedy ever made?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it might um, be. This has some of the fun like this episode is so unhinged from from the jump, like from in the first couple frames of it. Right. It's it's just hilarious. Every beat, like there nothing yeah. goes to waste in this episode.
1: Yeah, I think so much, like, because I was struggling to think of how we talk about this episode as we were, I was watching it, only because I realized so much of its strength is, it is, again, just the perfect SpongeBob episode in terms of get a simple premise, and then literally think of, how do we get a joke in here every 10 to 15 mm-hmm. seconds? Right. Like, there are so many little moments that, because the iconic lines, like, is mayonnaise an instrument, or the owner of a white sedan, you left, you your, left lights your lights on, lights. <laughs> or obviously the ending, <laughs> the ending of the yeah. episode... Like, you just forget little things. Like, it starts with Squidward playing the clarinet, and then a doctor, <laughs> the doctor guy opens the door the and vet. goes, uh, hello, yeah, hello, sir, Hi, this is I a vet, a... we had a, we got a call about a dying animal, and then he just Ray, closes the door without saying Just slams it in
0: his face, as if he, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and then he immediately, how does he answer the phone, like... Um, you've reached the residence of un- <laughs> of like unrealized dreams yeah <laughs> please, please leave, leave a message. message after that right
1: sounds like you have a dying animal on your hand
0: and I'm like I didn't realize that. I think I didn't notice until now that like oh did squilliam call that vet <laughs> like that's a very mean thing to do <laughs>
1: it's like it it's just a class yeah it, I don't know it's classic like it's classic, like, sort of, um, like, verbal comedy where it's, like, the right. same thing keeps getting said by different people just yes. to underline how dumb this thing is. Right. And I love, like, like Squilliam Fancy Son. It's the perfect name. Well, one, I love yeah. his last name basically follows medieval logic of, like, whatever <laughs> yeah. your trade is, that's what your last name is. That's becomes. what you do,
0: yeah. Do you own land? Yes. You're that land, yeah.
1: Um. But, yeah, I love it, like... Again, in the tide pool element of this, it's like all Squidward needs to do is say one sentence and we're like, oh, yes, William, classic resident Squ-william. of the area. He's always existed.
0: <laughs> it's just funny that you could to think that you could take any male name and put like an SQ in front of it and turn it into like a squidified name like Edward or William and have names like Squidward and Squilliam. You Squidward. Could probably, you could probably do that with anything. Um <laughs> But you know, like I, I didn't realize that this is the introduction to Squilliam, and that's fascinating. Right. That this is the first we see of him, and they offer such little context for him. But like, yeah, you it mm. takes very little to understand that, like, right. obviously Squidward would have like a foe that is exa- right. exactly him. But you know what? When I think about it, it's like it we we introduced him as being like the the good or the the successful version of Squ- of Squidward. But when I really think about Squilliam, it's, like, I know so many people like Squilliam. Like, I come across so many people that truly are not, like, they don't have a talented bone in their own body. They're just good at associating with other people who, like, if the only thing going for them is that they may have money, and, like, they just, like, surround themselves by the arts. Like, they can just afford to, like, be a patron of everything, but they themselves have absolutely nothing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like, he's the white-collar version of Squidward, where it's Absolutely, like, well, yeah. I can just buy eight, seven, eight, like, twelve different forms of art. Squidward actually yes. has to do them. Has to make Not them well, himself. Yeah. Them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and, like, I think that's why this episode in particular is fun for us, because it's like, yeah, theater kids know this kid.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: you've been around this block before. Right. Um yeah, and, like, I do think it's a testament to the simple, like, how strong, it's one of the biggest strengths of Spongebob. It's, like, how deceptively simple it is, despite how much, like, chaos and, like, how many layers are on it. Where it's, like, yeah, you have 11 minutes, you can introduce this character in less than 10 seconds, right. and everyone will immediately get from the yeah. voice and the fact that he has a unibrow and that he wears, <laughs> like, uh like, Naska, rich maroon, like a, yeah. yeah. A rich maroon, uh, like what is smoking it? like, smoking jacket? Robe? Yeah, smoking jacket.
0: Yeah. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so Squilliam calls him to ask him... Like, Squilliam's got to know he doesn't have a band, right? He just wants to right. see him squirm. I think he's
1: just doing it to, yeah, he's just yeah. doing it to fuck with him, to be like, <laughs> oh, my band is supposed to play the Bubble Bowl, and, you know, they can't <laughs> make it. So I was just calling to see your Indian non-existent Indian. band.
0: Indian. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it's all in the voice. Fo- it really is all in the voice, because it's not I that much it. different than Squidward. No, it's But the somehow they make it so much snootier.
0: Right. I don't know how, yeah, they squeeze so much more out of
1: it. Um, I do think, I'm realizing how underrated um, the voice of Squidward is, because I also watched a very recent episode that's all noir-themed, and he goes down into this register to be like a noir narrator, and I'm like, Uh wow, he has range.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. Um,
1: But yes, um, so Squidward, not wanting to get put down, says, I actually do have a band and will be happy to perform. Right. Um, And then maybe one of my favorite lines in the entire episode, I have to drum up a marching band fast. Huh. (laughs) drum band, humor. band pun it's <laughs> it's so good on so many levels one I love that it's like there's this urgency of like I gotta get this thing done did I have time to stop <laughs> and, and make, make a dumb pun and laugh and then pat myself on the back for yeah, having a joke
0: right exactly. it captures
1: Squidward's energy so much of being like introspective and being like I'm the only one who appreciates my humor
0: right exactly
1: <laughs> um
0: um so yeah so in the next scene he has somehow put up flyers everywhere I mean, like, what, it makes it sound like he's got, like, a couple days, right, to, like, prepare for, um, and we see everybody in town, uh, reading this flyer that he's put up advertising being in the band, um, what, and it, like, when they're reading it, like, there's something funny in it about, like, if you're interested in doing something with your sad, pathetic lives, (laughs) like, something like that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it it sounds, yeah, it's, it sounds exactly like Squidward. And I just love, right. like, the different, like, jumps to the different people, because I think Larry's right. in the shower?
0: Yes, read, somehow reading it posted up on the wall of his shower. I don't know.
1: I was like, is that a gym shower, or is that just him, right. like...
0: Yeah, at home with it. Uh, Plankton's, like, on the ground. There's, like, people walking by, like... <laughs> huge people, yeah, like, like walking names. by him. Yeah. Um, Mr. Krabs is on the toilet inexplicably, but is just just there for free the free refreshments. refreshments like they knew how to get
1: him in yeah um, <laughs> and that leads us into kind of like the core of the episode which is this effectively it's effectively like vignette like a vignette montage of right. like the 3 days leading up to this show or the 4 days of practice just the different like jokes we get um, right
0: can squeeze out of this yeah that. right and um so yeah i think a couple when was it? Was it two weeks ago that we talked about, like, the geography of um, of Bikini Bottom? So we, here we have, yes. like, another location. And I tried to pause on it and figure out what it was, but it looks like some just sort of, like, garage, especially since we figured out that, like, everything is trash that's, like, fallen to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, like, it, it might be some kind of, like, trap or, like, cage that I have just, like, never seen before. Mm-hmm. But I, because there's, like, on the inside of it, I noticed this giant, like, spool of some kind of, like, string, like, rope or something on the inside. Like, it does look like a discarded something, like, and I couldn't figure out what it was that they're having rehearsal right. in.
1: Like, I like that it's so, di- that their, like, rehearsal hall, like, their little, yeah. like, theater is so dinky. Because it's, like, yeah. as much as we love the people of Bikini Bottom, Squidward, is it wrong that they're kind of uncultured swine? Yes, or-
0: He's correct.
1: What's the, what's the fish version of a pig? Oh, um, I don't know. I'll, ru- I'll run that by the animal friends. Yeah, they do. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and then it's literally just like, okay, let's sit down and think of the funniest one minute bit we can have for four consecutive nights. Um, right. The, the first one is he, well, that's where we get the, is mayonnaise an instrument? Because he's like, all right, has anyone actually played an instrument before? Right.
0: And we get some solid... There's some solid Plankton jokes in this.
1: Oh, yeah. Do instruments
0: of torture count.
1: Well, that's what I love about this episode. Despite being a Squidward-centric episode, it is one of... It's another incredibly strong ensemble. Ensemble piece,
0: yeah.
1: Honestly, I'd argue taking SpongeBob out of the spotlight just gives them the freedom to really lean into the ensemble. Because it's like, well, we don't have to center everything around the main character.
0: Right, yeah. He has... Spongebob has such little to do in this episode and yet his moments are very strong and very funny when he yes. does pop up it's just like the right de- like balance of Spongebob moments
1: right and then we get to like they're all playing the different sections brass percussion <laughs> or brass woodwinds this, and yeah, I love the
0: scale that they, he, yeah. even Squidward doesn't play it very well like they never ever pose as if Squidward is qualified to even teach anybody anything he's not yeah
1: it's very pointed that when we hear them, it basically sounds the same. Yeah. Like, it sounds like a middle school level, like, right. orchestra band who aren't quite there yet, but by no. God, they're going to keep trying. Right. Um, and then we get the percussion, seemingly thinking <laughs> they do the exact same thing as everyone else, blowing on their, s- drumsticks, their drumsticks until they shish kebab Squidward <laughs> right. to the wall.
0: Right. Um,
1: um. And maybe the most squidwardy line of all, uh too bad bad that that didn't kill
0: me yeah (laughs) um yeah our time like in this rehearsal space is so funny like this is where we get that um i don't know how oh it's squidward or it's spongebob that goes like is this the part where we start kicking like that inspires the, the
1: chorus line
0: the patrick um the patrick sandy brawl
1: yes where he turns into a trombone. And again, yeah, it, his head it's in insane it. how a dumb noise can make you laugh because it's literally just the fact that he keeps stepping and it's just... It's this, Wourm, like, Wourm,
0: um, Foggerbocky, like, just makes this guttural, like, <laughs> wail... That truly sounded painful, like,
1: yeah. That
0: is like, seen off, like, it's not seen, it's off screen, like, and we just hear Patrick, like, absolutely scream, and then just comes in very calmly with his head forced into the horn of a, of a trombone.
1: It is, like, slapstick is so hard to do, like, people have talked about Tom and Jerry, and it's, like, the good Tom and Jerry episodes and the bad Tom and Jerry episodes are basically dictated by, like, who they got to do Tom, and if the scream is good, because, yes. like, like, cause early Tom and Jerry, he sounds too much like a cat and you're like, ah, oh, I don't feel comfortable about this. Right. And then certain other times he sounds too like nasally and you're like, well, this isn't as funny. It's that, yeah, it's that funny like it really like deep man. from your throat wail of terror. Right. <laughs> and when, yeah, <laughs> just that hearing Patrick's voice is just really, really funny. <laughs> anytime, anytime Patrick screams as peril is about to occur. Right. It's just hilarious. because it sound Like, like. Like just deep he gets into his throat. Exactly, right. Maybe my favorite of the montages is on day two where they're actually practicing marching outside. Oh and the flag (laughs) twirlers and it's like
0: propel themselves into the sky.
1: And explode <laughs> a blimp into a Flat blimp. Cordless, let's go let's, let's go, go! let's go! And I realize we're literally just explaining jokes to people, but like Who the cares? style of that's comedy okay. is kind of how. Well, that's what the people wanted for this right. episode, and also like it, it like it explaining jokes is kind of how you have to explain why SpongeBob works so much. Right. But it's, like, the degrees of how they take one joke and just keep putting <laughs> layers on top of it. Yeah. Because it's, like, one, it's just silly that we're getting this top-down view of all these little dots moving in a row. <laughs> yeah. And Squidward getting ag- more and more aggro toward the flag-coilers until with, like... <laughs> Like World War Two fighter pilot sounds, right. propel uh, up into the air. We see an explosion in the distance, and everyone watching as one of the trumpeters just plays like the bar-bar-bar. memorial music.
0: Yeah, and wait, Squidward the, just like lays in fetal position yeah, on the ground,
1: he just gives up and just curls into a ball as everyone else like holds their <laughs> head solemnly. Watching. yeah. That's it's like five jokes in like literally <laughs> one five sec. Yeah, ten seconds max. <laughs>
0: Um it's yeah somehow after that point I think day 3 is the funniest one it all just like completely falls apart and um Mr. Krabs and this um unnamed fish person like that we see all the time this like blue
1: fish he has start a weird like sort of british undertone yeah. Oh well, you forgot the plankton harmonica solo which...
0: Oh that is so good like what a perfect transition moment of like everybody you know what I love like it's like you as different as these people are it is incredible that they're all giving like an effort towards this I mean they suck right. but like they're trying and like so yeah. well, that's, that's the point
1: this. I want to get to at the end of this of why yeah. this episode has emotional relevance oh yeah but yeah, yeah. How many how many instruments do you think they went through before they got to harmonica for Plankton? Because, like, the obvious joke is, like, you have this little guy. This right. little guy. It might be his birthday. Just a little guy. <laughs> just, um, and you're like, okay, obviously the joke is going to be that the instrument is too big for him. But right. what instrument? And well, somehow harmonica becomes the funniest because he has to breathe into it.
0: Right, yeah. He's got to run from end to end of it and breathe into it. And I guess I'm trying to think, like, what instrument did they land on for him? At the end, he's playing some kind of, like, synth keyboard thing. Like, I guess there could be a miniature version of that. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what other instruments would be hilarious to watch him attempt to play. But, yes, like, the harmonica solo of him having to sprint back and forth to catch these notes (laughs) is... Is very funny. It pays off, and it's it, like this. This show just has a good balance of like changing the pace, like or like of from from joke to joke. After we like do that that like tragic mm-hmm. a flag twirler bit to transition into like another like big fight with this just like little moment with one character is really yeah pays off really well.
1: That, like, it's one of the deceptive things about SpongeBob. We talk about having this very frenetic pace at, like, 11 minutes per episode. We talk about it being, like, a joke a minute. Mm -hmm. But it understands, like, that a joke as, like, a storytelling thing can have a rhythm, can have a pace. Like, joke, you know, understanding the full range of comedy lets you, like, control the tempo. Where we can have, like these really, like, joke-on-joke-on-joke on joke on joke moments, and then we pause for a single character joke, right. and then we lead into this big crescendo where everyone's fighting. Mm-hmm. Um I just love the bit before the fighting starts of, like, people talk loud when they want to sound smart, right? <gasps> Correct!
0: Correct! <laughs> that is...
1: <laughs> and then he's like, alright, everyone play as loud as you can. One, two, <laughs> three, and as he says three, we just cut out to the outside <laughs> of the building, and you just hear, like, an actual agonizing, like, and like when the glass just like
0: shatters out.
1: And then, before seeing anything else, we cut back to Squidward, whose <laughs> face is now <laughs> incorrect. I don't know yeah. how to explain it. Like, I but don't it's know incorrect. how they drew that. Yeah.
0: Um, and
1: then we get into
0: the big meaty. Well, maybe clothes. some of <laughs> yeah. us would
1: play better if we weren't using big meaty. Clo- it's the fact that he's weirdly British that brings right. it like, home me. He's the only from. one,
0: right? Um, and like how this argument between the two of them results. Oh, I know because um, like one of them is like bring it on, and that's when SpongeBob comes up and he's like, "No, people, let's, let's bring it sm- off. off."
1: And I think that's the line, specific line I messaged you. Oh, now the talking cheese is a...
0: going to us, and suddenly they're just like all at each other's throats yeah. about this again. Like... It's one of
1: my favorite. It's one of my favorite comedy trope, or especially for animation when it's just like a bunch of idiots get into a big fight. Like I love any like. One of my favorite little moments from any animation is from Castle in the Sky, where it's like, there's a standoff between these pirates and this, like, security force, and one of the pirates just flexes so hard his shirt rips open, and then cold clocks someone, and then before you know it, it's literally, the entire room is a ball of smoke. <laughs> and it just, like, anytime time, it's like, yeah. hey, you want to take this outside, mister? And we immediately right. go into a brawl. Right. And then <laughs> we just have, like, the whole time, Squidward's like, please, people, these instruments are rent. At one point, he goes, these were rentals. <laughs> Um,
0: um and yeah. So Squidward gives up. He's got no yes. point. There's there's no use. He tried. They tried.
1: Patrick um, was about to get shoved into another instrument. Right,
0: um, exactly. Sandy does like a
1: cool twirly thing with the Like I like that all the instruments make noise. Yeah. Maybe my favorite is the original two guys starting are about to spear each other with woodwind instruments right. only to get s- smashed in the face with yeah. cymbals. Mrs.
0: Puff is standing there waiting to just like absolutely clap them together.
1: And I love that the whole fight ends because the clock takes a 10. It's like, Oh, practice is ah, over. And yeah, they immediately like, go thanks, back guys. to being like,
0: right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all
1: right, man. <laughs> like, it's up. like, that's the, again, that's the energy of Bikini Bottom. They all kind of can't stand each other, but also <laughs> they're like, well, it's a nine to five. Like it's an, it's like yeah. an office comedy energy of like, yeah, it's like, well, we put it in the work, right? The, you know, um, oh, that's one of my favorite bits. The Wiley e. Coyote, like, the sheepdog beats the oh. shit out of Wiley e. Coyote every episode. But then they walk out and they're like, punch their little time cards and they're right. like, see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, they're like, all right, bye, Bob, see <laughs> you. Get to a game tonight. Um, but I like the way that we segue into the actual bubble ball with, um, like SpongeBob giving this little, enth- like, encouraging speech to them. It's one of my funniest jokes where he's like, Squidward's always been there for us when it was convenient for him.
1: It's that. (laughs) It's like, that's what I love about SpongeBob. It's like, it's perfect that SpongeBob has this, like, um, (laughs) it's perfect that SpongeBob um, has this, like, I'm trying to think of how to word it, but it's like. It's perfect that he is, like, they're like, oh, we know how to use him. He's right. the emotional core of the episode. But because SpongeBob's inherently, like, a comedy, they're like, well, the joke is it's not a very good speech. Yet it still inspires no. the masses. <laughs> if we just pretend yeah. he was a fireman. Or, or some, some guy, some in guy an ambulance. ambulance. <laughs> okay, does he say tanning pills for Larry? I can never get the line I, right.
0: like, I was... I was paused on that too because it sounds like he's saying "canning pill" like with a C. That's what I was thinking, and I'm like, what but the I don't know what is that is. Pill? And like, are we just uh, insinuating that he's he's like roided up, which would make sense,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, which would be funny. Yeah, I assumed it was a joke about like <laughs> protein pills and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But then I'm like, the way he makes it sound makes yeah. it sound like he's saying tanning. tanning pills. And I'm like, oh, because he's Which, red. Which, like,
0: can we not mention drugs, like, on the show? Like, do we, it doesn't did it have no, to you be something, can't. like, innocuous, like tanning, um, but that causes heart failure. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and, uh, and then we go,
0: yeah, for the firemen! Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, again, so I love how... <laughs> Yeah, and that's why that's why we love them. It's the same. It's the Springfield energy of like, right. how how is this town not collapsed into the sea? Yet? You're all fucking buffoon. Right. Every single one of you is the most incompetent version right. of whatever your st- archetype is. Exactly. Like holy fuck, this town is hanging on by a thread.
0: Exactly. Um, and, and then we get said into my, it. Oh why is it so? Why is that so funny? Because he does it seriously.
1: One, a two. Silly, yeah. like I don't
0: know. Because SpongeBob why it's
1: can't just, say anything without
0: like, being silly. It's impossi-
1: yeah, it's impossible for him to say anything silly, or it's impossible for him not to be silly. Right. But it's also impossible for him not to be sincere in that silliness.
0: Yes, exactly. The perfect combination. So it's a again, great it's joke. why,
1: like the entire town of Bikini e. Bottom is being held together because they have this like moral core, SpongeBob. Right,
0: right.
1: And uh, then we get into uh, it's the day
0: of the event. Yeah.
1: One of the greatest animated sequences anyone's ever put on celluloid.
0: I'm sorry, but, like, I think one of my... Another one of my favorite jokes is that Squidward is, like, fully prepared to say that they died. (laughs) Like, he truly lets that come out of his mouth. Like, he was was like, I, uh... They... They're not here. They died. (laughs) Like, he's just gonna go with that. I don't know why that cracks me up so much, but it does. I... Ah!
1: That would be my bad! (laughs) <laughs> and I love, till the f- bitter end, we are bracing for impact. Like, right. I like that they just lead into the idea that Squidward is cringing out of his mind. Right. And then, of course, what, and then inexplicably, we get a live action sequence. I actually, so...
0: Okay, let's talk about this. Um, which Super Bowl was it? Like, what, okay. which which really like Super Bowl did the lights go out? It was just recently.
1: Oh. And uh, people
0: online were like, remember. "It's just the bubble bowl? <laughs> It was a
1: Raven? Uh, Were the Ravens? I, it no. was Ravens 49ers. It was the one Colin Kaepernick was in.
0: Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't that long ago, was it?
1: No, it was like twenty seventeen ish
0: Oh, 2014, okay.
1: 2014, 2015 range.
0: Okay. Um, I remember that online that everyone was like, is this going to be the Bubble Bowl? Um, but yeah, I'm curious about, like, I wanted to talk about the event of the Bubble Bowl. Like It was 2013?
1: Because,
0: oh, it was that wow. long ago? No way.
1: Yeah. That was a good Super Bowl, though.
0: Wow. Um, I know we have some Ravens fans listening, so I'm sure they'll be happy to to hear us talk about this, but, um, like the bubble bowl, right? Like, I mean, when I was (laughs) rewatching this, they do specify that this is a football game. Like the announcer is like, welcome to something, something, football, something. And they are on the 50 yard line. And, but like they uh, they this is their first time seeing humans i guess right. but inexplicably like could you imagine if you went to a I football think game one in one of those toxic the...
1: waste dumps and cartoon right. fish
0: <laughs> yeah cartoon <laughs> fish come out of the floor um like yeah you want to talk about a slippery field i guess that would
1: hey a- suck um, it arizona but yes anyway. apparently <laughs> Apparently, this um, footage was from a USFL game, which was, like, a now-defunct football league.
0: I see. Um, okay.
1: Famously, to tie in another one of our football teams, good Lord, um, Jim Kelly, uh, Hall oh. of Fame quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, got drafted by the Bills, went, Ah, uh, I'm good, and went to the USFL to play for Houston. And then when the <clears> league <throat> collapsed, he's like, Hey, uh so Buffalo.
0: Do you need me? And, and need? then
1: ended up being getting us to four straight Super Bowls. Right, we right. We didn't win one, but we did it.
0: But you were um, there.
1: Yeah, between the Memphis Showboats and the Tampa Bay Bandits. I love any, like, defunct football league. Always has the most, like, moundoo names for their teams. Yo,
0: these, like, even watching the XFL, I was like, these names are unhinged. Like, these are the most insane.
1: Right. We don't have any prestige. We don't have the 100-year history. We don't have the 75-year history of the NFL. We can do whatever the fuck we feel like.
0: Yeah, we're the Atlanta fire-breathing dragons. Like, they don't care how cartoonish they sound.
1: We're the we're the Mississippi Coke benches.
0: Right, yeah, we're the Memphis and then, skateboarders.
1: <laughs> and then they have um a you can tell what footage they actually shot for the episode of like the two guys who guys, are like hugging each other. Like thing.
0: yeah, they they got a specific like group of people to stand in some <laughs> yeah, stands. They're that, like like our yeah here, crying and is, hugging. This is
1: the yeah Nick. Can we have like forty <laughs> bucks at like some right. day rates for exactly like a little like shot of ten you guys foot of stadium
0: wearing like on. Un- unspecific jerseys, like, they don't really have really any logos on them. Yeah, royalty-free jerseys. Yeah, like, they both, I think both are wearing, it's weird, because I think both of them have the same number on their jerseys, but they're wearing two different colors, like, I noticed that. Um, And then they have these, like, lighters, like, there's other people in the scene with them, but, um, (laughs) but... Yeah, so this this like another great example of a live a- again the quintessential SpongeBob episode when we when we talked about like the live action incorporation into these episodes. Of course, this would mm-hmm. have a live action element to it.
1: Yeah, because this is everything SpongeBob. Right. But um, yeah, so they like I love till the final moment. You're like, what the hell is gonna happen? Because I remember <laughs> seeing this episode for the first time, and you are like, because he's uh, like carefully going one, two, two,
0: yeah, three, four.
1: And then, out of nowhere, they play
0: <laughs> this is one journey? of the greatest
1: songs ever written. Okay, so I did do a little homework on this. Um, so, the idea is, like, because most studios have, like, databases of royalty-free music. Like, the mm-hmm. idea is they have, like, a bunch of tracks where it's like, if you need something, we can come here. Apparently, the original plan was just for them to do, like, a marching band thing. Uh-huh. But then they were just like, well, that's not, that's not fun. Like, that's not that mm, funny. Yeah, that's, that's so just. funny. We That's just a nice ending to the a show episode. Stopping. To, yeah. yeah, so "Sweet Victory" was written by um, David Glenn Isley. Apparently, this is a song he wrote um, forever ago. That um, they were like for some reason Nickelodeon had it. It was like a nineteen. Uh, it was like nineteen ninety seven. He wrote it um, with Arstia Records. Um, they ended up putting it in the. Um, Brunton Music Library and Nickelodeon had access to it and they were just like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, They were like, you know, it was different than what we were looking for, but it was amazing and we knew we had to use it. So we boarded the sequence to the music and it felt like a much better ending than any song we could have made on our own. Right. And I almost like, it almost speaks for itself, but at the same time, it's like, (sighs) there's so many different reasons why this works. One, let's, yeah, Let's try to break this Let's down. Let's
0: break that down. You know, when I'm talking about the parallels between this and the musical, I was mm. really looking at this like, why is it so satisfying to see Squidward win? Right. Someone who, as SpongeBob humorously highlighted, is not always deserving
1: right. of he a favor. Right. helps when it is convenient for him.
0: Right. But if, like, it is because his arcs always start with being called a loser, and an end with him like being assisted by his community in some way like right. this is like this is how th- this is an exact parallel to the musical of uh, it starting out with him being put down by somebody um right. and like almost damn near giving up giving up yeah. i mean like he was he, he was going to take the L on this one um, he literally
1: was going to say his band died. His
0: in a marching band died accident. in a marching accident. That's partially true.
1: <laughs> a final destination scenario <laughs> of a marching band accident. Right. Like the guy has the vision. He's like, we got to get the fuck away from this marching band, man. Right.
0: Um, and then like, but like these people choose to come together, and it and it works, and he gets to be victorious, and the and something yeah. about it just has such a satisfying payoff every time when, when the specific character gets to, like, come out on top.
1: Right. SpongeBob is inherently an underdog story. Like, the yeah. whole point of SpongeBob is he's this cute... Like, he's this weird, goofy guy who, despite everyone being a little confused and a little annoyed by him, mm-hmm. inevitably finds some unique path to victory that, like, shows everyone, like, a little bit of optimism and a little bit of, like, positivity can go a long way. Mm-hmm. And, like... It's like, all right, well, how do you make that work for Squidward? And it's like, well, what if we made Squidward the underdog? It's nice seeing the, like, snooty character, who at this point in the show has almost largely been, like, the guy above everyone looking down on everything. Mm -hmm. Having someone look down on him.
0: Yeah.
1: And despite his best efforts, he's just probably not going to get to win. And, like, while we're talking about, like, you know, Bikini Bottom being, like, literally a whisker drop away from punching each other into, like, tartar sauce. Right. Like... There is something about this, like, weird little community mm-hmm. always... It's somehow always able to come together when it matters.
0: Yes, exactly. And
1: that's kind of, like, the point of the musical. It's, like, there's a reason why the opening song is about Bikini Bottom as a whole. And so mm-hmm. much of, like, SpongeBob's I Want song is about, like, his little town. Right. Um, one, it is really, like, they really nailed the song. where it's like oh, yeah. It's a perfect... It's simultaneously a, song about a winning football yeah. song. It's a song about winning. Yes. And it's, like, the perfect sort of, like vaguely, it's, like, lightly anachronistic for 2001 because it sounds like it's from the 80s. Yes. Like, it is, like, a hair metal ballad.
0: Right, like I people, would have assumed this was a Journey song. Like, that's what I thought. Yeah,
1: well, people misidentify it as, like, oh, it's a Journey song or, oh, a like Nara Smith song. And yeah. it's like, no, 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 this is an... It's not right. an OG or OC song for the show, but it's basically because, right. like, it was a royalty-free song that was in a database that they right. found. Right, and just
0: sounded like a Super Bowl halftime... Song right. that you'd hear, and
1: one thing I was thinking about is SpongeBob is so good at like knowing when to end an episode. Mm, like so yeah. many cartoons, and like my beloved Steven Universe is an example of this. They always feel like they need a little wrap-up part at the end where they like mm. have characters talk out the ending, or they have like you know, uh, well, I certainly learned something today, or you yeah. see why I was this way, and that's fine. Like that works for children's right. entertainment, and like oftentimes it can still be funny and emotionally affecting. But I think Spongebob, so many episodes kind of end on a non-sequitur or, like, right. a weird note. That and kind of feels perfect.
0: This one, yeah, gets a don't-you-forget-about-me um, yes. moment Yes
1: Yeah, it's like, no, we understand the moral of this episode of, like, why don't yeah. these guys actually come together for Squidward? What if he actually did it?
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: yeah, it ends... So it ends with musical being taken off
0: in a stretcher. <laughs> like
1: that's yeah, that's he's the only probably dead. I
0: honestly that that's part of the reason that you get that we can end this without having a wrap up conversation because <laughs> by being like yes. let's excuse Squilliam, he like we see the effect on him, and that's yeah. all you need to know.
1: Yeah, everything we need to know about the resolution <laughs> of this is done through that storytelling. Right, Woodward being so inspired by his band, he drops his baton and just tells them right. to rock and the hell just like, out. Yeah. <laughs> What can I say? But it's beautiful.
0: It is. And I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it is an emotionally fulfilling moment, but it's still hilarious to watch them, like, shred.
1: <laughs> right. And that's the thing. It's like, it also ends on a joke. This is a big right. joke. All the visual gags of, like, them all suddenly, like, like, yeah. Patrick has a little mustache. Like, he looks with like, with the glasses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's doing, like, a Phil Collins thing. Yeah.
1: Yes. Phil Collins. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Plankton's finally found an instrument he can play. SpongeBob's yeah. voice just changes yet again. <laughs> right. Like, oh. Uh, and, yeah, we get this, like, there's a bit where we're just sliding through all the characters and it has, like, the fucking most 90s background possible. Right. Like, it looks like the Rugrats prince. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it ends sort of a fucking freeze frame. Right. As the song keeps going. Right, That's just yeah. the end of the episode. That's all you need to know
0: yeah it is it is a kind of a a perfect close to this episode
1: and it's kind of beautiful that this song that literally was just sitting on a database for how who knows how long right ends up becoming this track that sells literally like millions of downloads every year from an episode of spongebob yeah from an episode of spongebob squarepants Mm -hmm. a and like it made such an impact like That, like, when Steven Hillenberg passed away, there was a push that's like, we have to play Sweet Victory at the Super Bowl halftime show.
0: (laughs) Right. Like,
1: we simply need this moment. Do you remember that? Vaguely. So, it was Super Bowl, I think, '53. It was Maroon 5 playing, and it was a a particularly bad performance.
0: I've blocked that out of my memory. <laughs> That's why there was a
1: really there was a really gross part where they like do a tribute to Purple Rain. If I'm remembering oh, correctly, no, yeah. no, 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 that was it, Justin Timberlake. I'm getting those mixed up.
0: That that was that was in Minnesota. That the one with Justin Timberlake. Yeah. No, yeah,
1: yeah. This is a different <laughs> one. This was in Atlanta, but they do that three second clip. Which to be fair, they did original animation, so I'll give them some credit for that. But then the Sweet Victory trumpet yes. gets turned into Wait, I Travis that. Scott's sicko mode.
0: I remember that, yeah.
1: And for just a second, everyone was about everyone's to lose like, their what? minds.
0: Yeah, I forgot. And then we all cut
1: into that. sicko mode, and everyone's like, what uh, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, people were pissed. I forgot how pissed people were.
0: Right. Oh and, like,
1: goodness. it's doubly because it's. Travis fucking Scott, who yeah. is like, based, you know, Disgraced, generously pepper, committed yeah. multiple manslaughters. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's the most fun pop thing ever that the most innocuous thing, the seemingly right. silliest idea, ends up becoming a sincere, Moment. beloved yeah. piece of pop culture iconography. Right, exactly. Um, do you have any other thoughts you wanted to add as we close out this discussion?
0: You know, it's like, this is such a, a a good way to close out this month, which, like, I'm sad that we're done with.
1: Honestly, of all of the themed months we've done, of all of, like, the let's have content centered around an idea... This is the one that's made me the happiest. Like, I think it's perfect that we end on, like, talking about an individual episode. That we break down one of the iconic episodes. Because that is so much of, like, what makes Spongebob... You know, it's good to just break down why Spongebob is special Mm -hmm. with the best example of why Spongebob is special.
0: Yeah. You know, this is, like, with Disney Channel Month and this, the, the Summer of Sponge, it's, like... I'm I'm glad that you and I have an outlet to embrace the things that we love.
1: <laughs> Honestly, and just yeah. to like
0: like like you know why why even bother with a podcast if it's not filled with just the the niche shit that
1: you love. Right? Like truly, truly <laughs> yeah. what is the point? And again, that's like every like yeah, that's Honestly, it's kind of why Spongebob is perfect for the podcast and why mm-hmm. I made the joke of, like, and another time we would have just done a Spongebob podcast because it is, right. like... It is, like, you know... Spongebob is a show about be unapologetic, be yes. loud, be bombastic, be the silliest version of yourself, and that's how you will win... You know, you'll get that sweet victory.
0: Exactly. And, I, you know, when you said something funny, like a couple episodes ago during your internet minute about Nimona is that what that that film's called right? yes I always say it wrong I read it wrong um, I know I it took
1: me forever to pronounce it right even though right. it's phonetic
0: um the fr- you use the phrase punch a hole in the wall with who you are <laughs> and um and I thought that was funny but it certainly encapsulated like or or definitely represented in a character like Spongebob um and even in characters like Squidward, who, mm-hmm. as I've said before, like the more I think about it, the more I think we're all actually Squidwards <laughs> than anything. I mean, else. there's a whole
1: episode about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's Squidward. He's Squidward. You're Squidward.
1: There are I'm any other Squidward. Squidwards? I'm Squidward.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it's
1: like, yeah, and like, what better way to end a month than having a rock concert?
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: <sighs> I wanted to, th- again, thank y'all for joining us on this silly little adventure of ours under the sea. Um, hopefully, we'll get another opportunity to talk SpongeBob soon. It's definitely I'm sure we'll
0: invent one.
1: Yeah, we'll come up with some excuses to do more SpongeBob episodes. Right, right. Um, thank you, patrons, for kind of picking the perfect wrap up episode for all of this. Yes. And as we get out of the tidal zone and head back to dry land, I'm Carter.
0: And I'm Sydney.
1: Have a magical day.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney.
0: Follow us on Twitter, at Disney Desk, for the latest updates about the show.
1: Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon.
0: For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com disneydesk Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.